All right. This has been a hell of a week already. But we're here. We're back. It's Magazine. It's Coming back at you. Yes, with drama, romance, suspense, and drama. Basically, it's a gym episode. <laughs> it is. But we have a special guest today who's going to join us in all this lovely man. And guess who it is? Who is it? Who is it? Who said that? Uh, it is Sean. Sean Lyle. Yes. No, totally. No, totally. What? That's a podcast no more. Yes. What's up? What is going on? I love both of you. No, we appreciate you too. We love the fact that you are on Twitter. You're the only person I really enjoy doing threads. I'll say that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's good because I do them a lot. <laughs> you do, but you know what? But they, but they, but it's worth it though. You don't do it like some people do it as if they're making cookies. Like <laughs> the first tweet, I got the eggs. The next tweet, I got the flour. I'm like, you know what, y'all? Just, just put the recipe up on it. It's like that. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I appreciate yours because I feel like that you learn something from it, um, and it's and it's and it's human too. It's a very human. You have very human threads if that makes sense. You know, it's more. Yeah. About, it, it helps us know who you are, um, yeah. and everything else. So I think it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's very it's very insightful of who you are. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I like I so I am. For people who don't know, I'm Asian American and I tweet a lot about kind of that perspective. <laughs> but I also am like just not i don't know i just like a lot of people i grew up you know not aware of a lot of things that are kind of like out of my lane and so i am learning about them constantly whether by just reading other people's tweets or by making like massive mistakes and getting called out um (laughs) but but yeah when i learn stuff i like to kind of be like oh okay so i learned this thing and here you go i'm gonna tweet 45 three tweets about it all together and you can learn along with me and if you already knew this that's fine you can block me or whatever i don't know but yeah no i i, I enjoy it and um yeah i love both of you on twitter as well uh especially just sorry just lately with the uh we were talking about this before we started recording the cornell west and uh, tavis smiley stuff i've been following that a little bit and uh i you know yeah. That was funny to me because, you know, I, I tweeted it because it was more like I haven't heard anything. And I just said, like, I'm just going to ask. And, you know, not, not really ask, but just say it. And then I was like, okay. And then I, I was looking as I was saying it. And I was like, well, the, you know, they said something in December and November. I was like, okay, but that's, that was, okay. And I was like, that's not really enough. Um, and then, you know, of course, people, you know, retweeted it and agreed. And it was interesting to see who, you know, who retweeted it. It was like Jonathan Capehart and, and um, April Rain and everybody was like kind of asking the question, like, yeah, where are I? What's going on? But then, you know, you had some of those stands who were coming like, well, they were saying something over here at um, Maxine's Corner last week. I'm like, well, who's Maxine's Corner in... Who was there? You know, it was stuff like that. So it, it was fun. I, I, I didn't mind the arguments. It was kind of um, cathartic. 
Therapeutic. This all this all popped off what last weekend? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I was irritated at one point because I was like, y'all have nothing to do. I guess I was irritated because I was like, some of y'all are coming at me just so you can feel better about yourself. So I was telling it. I was like, some of y'all said, thank you. If I helped you feel better about your shitty life, then great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did that for you today. And then they blocked me. <laughs> I was like, you shouldn't come for me. I'm gonna come back. I'm sorry. I was busy with, I had a drag performance to do. So I was actually, I was periscoping that I was down at this uh, pageant and I was a dancer for one of the queens. Um, So it was cute. Um, I missed that. I'm like going to look it up right now because I missed (laughs) it. And I'm I'm upset that I missed it. There was a lot of, uh, you know, Kentucky isn't known for its well okay I'll, I'll take that back kentucky has a lot of really good drag queens um, I, I agree it was like that when i was living there yeah a lot of the uh, a lot of queens here are underrated um so yeah i'll talk about that a little bit later when we get to rupaul's drag race and yeah i have some things to say about some of these young girls out here all right but well, yeah, we can, we have a lot to unpack today. Um, so what we're going to get into is Aunt May's tea. So Sean is going to join us at the tea table, and we're going to kind of start with, again, it's so much. So I don't know what to even start with. But, you know, we'll let's talk about the season finale of The Walking Dead. So we'll start light, and then we'll just kind of get heavy as we go forward. Um, so this weekend, the Sunday, we saw the, the finale, this season's finale, season seven um, of what happened. And if you don't know by now, spoiler alert, what's her name is dead. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say what's her name. Um, oh, I forgot her Sasha. name. Sasha's dead. Yes, yeah, Sasha's dead. Oh, But yeah, she she died, but she kind of did it, you know, to help them. It was kind of that honorable death-y type of thing. Um, she did that, but the interesting thing was I felt bad about this show because um, this finale produced the lowest ratings of of the year. Um, and this season has been struggling anyway because um, it started off with poor Glenn getting killed and then it just went from there. Um, Negan is still running around. I, I, I kind of want him to be gone um but yeah this this was the this was the worst the lowest rating for one of the you know the biggest hit series and so sean i don't know if you watch walking dead at all but not anymore i think i stopped after like the third season maybe oh wow the second i don't know yeah i i and then i saw the, the whole glenn death thing and i was like i made the right decision yeah i liked how um you were on the fan bros show uh, what was it last week and how you were explaining uh, how Asian Americans come have a different perspective as far as how Glenn was killed and I didn't realize that and so I was like looking at the walking dead kind of funny and side eyeing them so I'm like yeah. y'all could have did this y'all didn't have to go with the canon you know but yeah. you know they were going yeah, to do for what everyone, they were going to do for everyone who doesn't know, there's a there's a very famous case mm-hmm. of a Chinese American named Vincent Chin who was beaten to death um, by by a small mob, and they used a baseball bat. So Glenn, being you know baseball batted to death very graphically and violently on, mm-hmm. on The Walking Dead, 
as you know pretty much the most celebrated Asian American on TV right now yeah. or at, at the time uh, was very tasteless in, a, in, a, in the opinion of a lot of us so yeah that was traumatic I saw photos or I guess screenshots of it on on Twitter or somewhere uh, around what happened and I was like that that's like actually traumatic like that actually made me feel things so I was very glad that I wasn't watching this show anymore yeah and when you, I remember when you said that I had to google I was like I have not heard this story why well, have I not heard this story and I had to yeah. google it and I was like oh my goodness and it made me think it made me think and I don't want to think this because I don't want to think ill of anyone but I wonder if they even knew of that story when they decided to make that scene and I always because sometimes you're inspired by oh remember you heard about this or you know how like Halloween was inspired by the babysitter murders and stuff like that um, I was like yeah. did they do that you know did they do that that makes me and I'll still wonder about that to this day like was that did, they, did that play I, a role in that I honestly don't think so I don't know about the comic book but I doubt the TV show really mm-hmm. thought about it because like they did this whole thing right there was the whole thing over the, the season break of you know who did who did he kill and all mm-hmm. this stuff and you know I was uh we have this whole ghost in the shell. I know we'll talk about that, but that whole thing going on and the, the director, was it that or was it Iron Fist? Uh, I think, actually, I think it was Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot going on in the <laughs> American community. But I think it was the Iron Fist guy who was like, you know, a week before the Iron Fist show came out, someone was asking him about the whole controversy. And he was like, oh, that's the first time I'm, heard, I'm hearing of it. And it's like, dude, there's been a hashtag since like 2014 or something, yeah. you know? So, like... I think a lot of it is because Asian American stuff like goes so far under the radar and to a degree I get it because you can't sensitivity check for something that you don't even know exists and a lot of these people act as if Asian America doesn't exist at all Um, right but yeah I was two years old when when Vincent Chin uh, was mobbed I think it was I want to say it was like three guys I don't remember exactly but like yeah they they uh, yeah Hmm. They, I think two, I think two guys held him down, and one just kept hitting him in the head with a baseball bat till his head cracked open. And uh, that's Jesus. not, yeah. I mean, it's fucked up. It's like the, the whole. I, I believe again. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back. Like a lot of Asian Americans, like just know this story kind of off top of off of our heads. But like, believe it was one of those situations where it happened in Detroit, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think the men involved. Were, they were white and they basically saw a Chinese dude and they were they were like it's because of you that we don't have jobs anymore you know like thinking mm-hmm. that somehow this Asian American has something to do with like the Japanese auto industry I guess mm-hmm. and like that's there's just so much there yeah. right to, right. to, to take that out yeah. on what like yeah Even to be that... so pressed about it that you're yeah. like you're sitting there like hitting him with a baseball bat over and over and over again yeah. because of something that you know not even the same ethnicity you know true it's also sad that uh you know they they kind of got off with this they only had like um a, a three-year senate like a three years of probation or something yeah, like that like, i was like okay all right yeah i know yeah i know the sentence was pretty light i can't remember exactly what it yeah. was but um yeah and i mean like it's it's interesting because that's that's a very specific racial hate crime yeah um and i think and the fact that it happened you know while like during my lifetime too um you think about that kind of thing when 
people talk about how oh there's no racism against asian people in america that's something i hear all the time um that there's no racism (laughs) against asian people and i'm like you know this happened in 1982 but like there are also there's a recent spike in los angeles you know of of physical attacks against asian americans so you know it's 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 one of those things where it's like just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah that's true Anyway, that's that's pretty far from The Walking Dead. <laughs> but no, well, that, no, it's just good to know about that because again, it it's it's interesting how maybe so you, how you think about these things and what it you know where it could possibly have come from and what people experience when they see anything like that, especially when it comes to a death yeah. of a person of a co- person of color. So you just never know. You never know. And I like the fact that you brought this up because it is an interesting story. So I do um, encourage people to like you know you know do your Googles and kind of look up the story because it's an interesting story um, yeah. to, to check out. But yeah, you know, Walking Dead, it's, <laughs> this was not the best season for them. And, they can go ahead and wrap it up. You know, honestly. they could do two more seasons and that's it. You know, I'm good with that. We know, we know Sasha's going over to Star Trek so we know why she's leaving, but um, <laughs> we could just go. I, I'm just, I, I, it's hard for me to watch now, especially with, well, especially now with Sunday nights becoming the best night on TV again, you know, especially with cable, because now a lot of shows are coming back. Um, the Game of Thrones will be back soon. Big Little Lies just in, which I think is one of the best shows on television about white women. But still, it's one of the. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good show. Um, but now we're going to go. Don't in. spoil that. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, <laughs> I, I won't spoil it, but I'm telling you, that is seven episodes, but it's the best. Is it on HBO? It is. Seattle. And it's funny, I had an interview, and I almost lived in Monterey, because I had an interview there, I almost got a job there, and I was thinking, wow, I almost lived in this place. And I, so, (laughs) it's very interesting (laughs) thing, but I could have lived there. All right, well, well, Nick, you brought this one up, and I thought this was an interesting one, about what's going on in North Carolina. (sighs) Okay, so these motherfuckers here. (laughs) So last week, it was uh, the HB2 bill, the basically the bathroom bill in North Carolina was, quote unquote, repealed. So this alleged repeal of this uh, crazy ass ban, it uh, basically, it wasn't a repeal. In the, the actual litigation or the provisions of the repeal, it said there was a temporary there's a temporary halt on local governments passing non-discrimination ordinance until 2020. Mm-hmm. So even though, say, a certain city has some kind of non-discrimination ordinance on the books, it can't really pass it until 2020, which mm-hmm. is bullshit. And so that leaves the state legislators in charge of the policy over multi-stall bathrooms. And I have not seen any politicians concerned of what people pissing or shitting in my life it's like i understand kinks and whatnot but this is like taking shit to a whole new level yeah now this hb2 bill cost the state would have cost the state 3.6 billion dollars in addition to this the NAAC, no not NAACP, uh, ncaa they initially pulled out saying that they were going to do any more championships there until this uh, bill was repealed. Now they're going back in there. It's like, 
these people, I don't understand why politicians are so fixated on trans people. This is basically an attack on trans people and any kind of LGBTQ members. It is. And I don't understand. I don't understand why politicians are so fixated on trans people. Hmm. I mean, it, it is a shame, and I think what they go on so far to do it. But you have to remember, these people are getting funding by a lot of these, you know, these shadow companies and shadow groups who are trying, you know, to keep this going, keep the heat on this going. And so it's basically disgusting and I think when the people wake up and realize like you know you're going to be a poor state because it's costing y'all a lot of money for this nonsense and they already kind of noticed that and they've been saying a lot about that um, but I, I, I want the people to kind of wake up and be like I'm not my tax money is not going towards something that does not affect me at all I don't know why y'all making such a big deal and then you think about in the billions this ain't like $20 this is like in the billions right and like they passed this bill in response to it was Charlotte that had passed a non-discrimination ordinance so you know as a a we'll teach you motherfuckers something you know this went into effect so it's and there's a lot of bathroom laws on the books in a lot of different states I know they were trying to get one here in Kentucky up through the house and the senate and it's just I don't understand what people want to know all your business like that. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, but then I think they got their feelings hurt because I think, um, like, federal judges or something happened just recently, basically said you cannot discriminate against anyone, especially LGBT people. They brought that up to where it's, they were just, it's like a reminder, like, um, you really can't discriminate against. This is the law of the land. You can't discriminate um, right against LGBT people, and I think that kind of popped up to where it was a reminder. Um, mostly, it's about job description, uh, job description, job uh, discrimination, and, and civil rights and federal law. So, therefore, what happened right now is um, the court, like the U.S. court, basically rules that the civil rights of of laws protect all LGBT workers. So, therefore, that kind of plays into trans workers therefore with them using the bathroom so it, it it's a trickle down but I think we have to probably get specifics on mm-hmm. which is kind of sad we have to keep doing that right and this is going back to you know a lot of people felt that uh, once the marriage equality bill passed that you know everything a lot of the fighting was going to be over and you know it's good that we can get married but I can still get thrown out of my apartment, you know. I can still get let go from my job because it's not mm-hmm. a uh, sexuality non-discrimination clause in the the bylaws of my my company. So it's just there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Do you do you guys have like uh, an opinion or a thought on why the push for marriage equality was like such a huge deal, and why these other things that seem, I mean, like job discrimination like whether mm-hmm. like the fact you could just get fired and then the bathroom stuff too like why it's not as big of a deal because like that seems like it seems pretty well actually let me i'm sorry let me separate that out because it's not like trans issues and 
gay issues, for instance, are the same thing, right? Like, uh-huh. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are, like, totally fine with gay and lesbian people, but then trans people, they're like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I can right. kind of I can kind of understand that. But, like, the, the overall, like, LGBT protections in the workplace, like, that seems to me, like, as, I mean, it's obviously as mm-hmm. important, right? Sometimes more, because, right. mm-hmm. you know, what if you want to be, if you, like, if you don't care about getting married, that's one thing but like you have to have a job in this country you know like it's pretty much impossible not to so like do you have a sense as to why people like on the outside there's much less kind of support or or noise being made about this stuff i i have an unpopular opinion (laughs) kind of um looking back at it and being in los angeles where prop 8 passed and seeing how it was such a big issue here but you saw the push for marriage equality that came a lot from white gay males um i felt like that was pushed a lot by white gay men for marriage and because they was in that space to do that you know they some of them have you know i'm fortunate to work in education so and when i work in especially college higher education a lot of us are protected um if we have a partner or if we're not married and our partners are still protected um regardless but a lot of people don't have that option. So if you're working as a data processor or you're working in, you know, um, the restaurant, you know, in the restaurant or what have you, you may not have those protections. So therefore, they wasn't really the loudest, but the ones who had money and power and influence was louder and, and they were able to push that initiative forward because, you know, it wasn't really about their jobs. They got their jobs, you know. Um, it was like, we want to get married, but I think that was the problem. There was no intersexuality in that battle it was more of we want marriage so i can get my child but they wasn't look at the fact well maybe that this couple can't really focus on that because they worried about they can get kicked out of their apartment because they're gay they can lose a job because they're gay and they can't adopt because they don't make enough money to pay for the kid you know what i'm saying so right. that was the issue and i really i really believe looking back that the reason why it wasn't a lot of push towards job equality first was because it wasn't a white it wasn't in the white male initiative oh that's really interesting yeah and i'll agree with that and i'll add something else i feel like it was also a push for us to be quote-unquote normal Hmm. to show everyone like Mm -hmm. oh we're just like you so let's push us to we want to get married too it was some kind of i don't know to a lot of gay people have a sense that if i'm more like a heterosexual then my gayness or queerness won't be noticeable so i think that there was because of that strong push to get married marriage uh passed they wanted to, you know, feel normal, but you know what is normal nowadays? Yeah. Hmm. So I, I, that's yeah. I I believe in that as well. I think those are a few of the reasons why that was happening. And also, who was at yeah. the table? It goes back to again, who was at the table? And I remember looking because I was in the middle of the, of those battles back then, and I remember who was always sitting at the table. And it was never anyone of color. So therefore, of course, those voices wasn't heard until after the fact, until after the failure of Prop 8. When Prop 8 passed, and then the fact that 
well, we wasn't a part of the table, but we were blamed. <laughs> we were blamed for all of that going wrong. And and when we were trying to educate people, like, well, you know, that's not really a big concern for us. What's a big concern for us is survival. I mean, we can't get married if we can get shot going across the street or, you know, for just being a person of color. So, you know, I think that was also a, a big part of it, too, was the fact we were not at the table. We were not really being heard. I always say that we were... We were blamed for not going to the prom when Carrie was there, and we were blamed when Carrie killed everybody for it. So we just we were just kind oh of we're kind of kept in that in that circle for a long time, and I think that's until they realize like, oh, you know, some of these 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 young gays are poor, so we have to worry about jobs now. Like I think that's what happened. Right. <laughs> and uh, when we say white gays, we mean the wealthy white gays because a lot a Mm. a lot of the times you know the poor white gays are left out of the equation as well Mm. so i mean i see that a lot that even especially down here like you don't see a lot of visibility as far as poor country white gays you know they don't get enough visibility or people talking about their issues that's a good point. And there's there's a and there was a few articles about that, about Southern about what it's like to be Southern gay. And it kinda got into the lives of Southern gay people. Because um, in some ways we don't. We look at the big city ones. We look at the ones in WeHo. We look at the ones, you know, in New York and Chelsea and all the fabulousness. So <laughs> it's stuff like that. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on into some more gay news. So, I don't know if you all have heard, but there are a lot of gay men disappearing in Russia, uh, specifically Chechnya. It said over a span of a week, I uh, read this on New York Times, over the span of a week, over a hundred gay men have just been taken off the streets. Uh, It was announced earlier that there were petitions to have a, a gay pride parade. And all of these denials that the group was getting, they were going to use these uh, as a sort of a, to present a case to the human, the European Human Rights uh, Initiative that was going to happen in Strasbourg. So all of these men started disappearing and the officials, they were like, oh, well, we don't know what's going on. These are the officials in Russia. And one of them stated that you can't arrest or repress people who just don't exist in the republic. And that was like, how do you fix your mouth to say something like that, that these people simply don't exist? <laughs> it's, and I don't, I've heard maybe three or four uh, outlets run articles about it, but after that, you know, it's dead silence. I don't see anybody talking about it. And there was reported that at least three three of these guys are dead. Wow. Yeah. And we don't know where they go, where they're going, what's happening to them. You know, we don't hear anything. Now, Russia is, this is not like a new story in some sense. It's a new story now, but what I'm saying is not, Russia has been known for this type of stuff for many years. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I'm thinking of 2003, oh, 2013, where there was issues of the neo-Nazis like attacking LGBT teens. Um, beating them, um, 
like really abusing them and sometimes killing them. Um, there was also issues that when uh, I think when the Olympics were were there, um, just to crack down on that. And Putin was a big part of that because he was you know known for you know cracking down on you know the. LGBT propaganda in some sense in Russia. So it, it's always been a hostile environment in Russia when it, when it comes to being gay and or being queer. So it's interesting. I, I, and I wasn't surprised when, when I saw that story because I was like, well, this is, they've been known for this type of stuff. And, I, and I, who knows, it could be some of these neo-Nazi groups. It could be some of these interesting gangs they have there probably doing this. Right, and they said uh, some of the authorities were posing as gay men on, you know, the social, the apps. Yeah. You know, and then luring these closeted gay men into God knows what. And that uh, echoes back to, remember during the Olympics when that author, uh, Nico Hines, did that, mm-hmm. ran that piece? Yeah. This is like the exact shit that gets people killed. So, and I, I actually know of a guy that got killed. Um, he met some random dude on Grinder, and the guy, I think he either choked him to death or, you know, beat him to death. But, you know, that shit is real. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, it just makes me think about back, uh, like, not too long ago, about a few years ago, and how Soshi was on Soshi, when the Soshi games were happening, and how. Um, it got to a point where our Secretary General, Ban Ki-moon, <coughs> had to like basically come out and condemn the attacks of the community in Russia. And y'all can kind of go and look at, there's plenty of videos of him speaking about that. Um, he's been on our campus. But um, he talked about that and how it was just really, um, it's disrespectful and how it has to be better there. <coughs> right. So, now that everybody's, you know, downer let's have it back up somewhat so joss wheaton is set to direct uh batman girl movie um Wait, did you say batman girl oh batman girl <laughs> bad girl <laughs> that, that'd be a fun movie too that would batman. be a good movie i'm looking forward to that one a batman who's trans that'd be cool yeah dude come on trans batman <laughs> that yeah no because that adds that adds so much that would add so much now I'm like obsessed. I'm obsessed already. <laughs> so Joss was he previously directed Avengers two and uh, first and second. Yeah, first and second. Yeah, first and okay. second. And then he was he's uh, set to write, direct, and produce Batgirl. Hmm. So I don't. What are y'all's thoughts about this? I, I'm fine with it. To I mean, it's Joss, and I'm a. I, see, there's a, there's this interesting thing about Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, I love him because of Buffy, and I'm a huge Buffy fan. But there's things sometimes that he does when it comes to people of color. That's a, that's a little bit of struggle. Um, but I know of his work, and I like his work. He can do a good job. I just think he needs to be a little bit better when it comes to people of color. Sean, what do you think? I would agree with that. I also, you know, this whole, like, Joss gets a lot of credit, and I think it's deserved for 
shows like Buffy, shows like Firefly. Mm-hmm. These are shows that have very strong female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more you start kind of like looking at what's out there and looking kind of deeper into the characterizations, he is definitely like white feminist not just in the sense of like kind of ignoring women of color almost but also in the sense of kind of like you know very 101 type feminism like this whole you know it was Mm -hmm. a big deal when the black widow in the second avengers movie was like you know talking about being infertile and and this kind of thing and Mm -hmm. and like again that's like it seems like he's very willing to engage with feminist ideas from a cishet white man's point of view (laughs) Mm. and like and that's not necessary right like that's it it is necessary to have allies and for people to be able to you know tell tell these kinds of stories and show some kind of nuance but i feel like if joss was as uh i guess woke as as he wants to portray himself as being that he should have suggested a woman to do this instead right because Everybody knew that you have to get a female director for Wonder Woman. You have mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know, the same thing with Captain Marvel. There, before they even really started even talking about and casting it, you know, people were like, okay, this is great, but make sure you do this. And it's just kind of interesting to me that, like, that girl, you know, again, a female character, but why, like, why, why didn't the executives, I guess, feel like that was a necessity for this character? as well it just seems like a no-brainer like women women need to have more opportunities to tell stories and if if any marginalized people like aren't telling the stories of their own group then like they're not going to get opportunities right because it's not like it's not like the next batman movie is going to go to a woman or or a person of color right Mm -hmm. like black panther can go to a black man but like you know and wonder woman can go to i guess a white woman uh but like the other like all of the other properties it's like that's that's still going to be by default helmed by these directors and writers that are very well known and they happen to be straight white men so i don't know we say this a lot in the representation uh activist community where it's like you know you say missed opportunity Uh which which is kind of code for like you should have done it this way but you didn't but like I'm too tired right now to fight you too hard on it. You know what I mean? Like, because there's all this other shit going on, right? Like I would fight, I would fight people on everything, but like, if I did that, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have time to do anything. So, um, but yeah, that's my thoughts. I, again, like, I guess quote unquote missed opportunity. I wish really that someone would have looked at it and said, okay, well, if, you know, if the word woman or girl, uh, or lady, uh, or, uh, chick. I don't know what other words for women that are non-offensive. Baby? No, that's offensive. <laughs> um, hun- honey child? Uh, right. Both. If these, yeah, but <laughs> if these words are in the title of your movie, like, very, very seriously consider having a, a woman run, run it. I don't see what's so hard, but, you yeah. know. But Joss himself, yeah, fine. We'll see. He's, he's not the worst. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> That's what it's come down to in terms of how I judge people. You are not the fucking absolute worst, so I guess I'm okay. No, that makes sense. Not M Night. Not M Night. No, he's not not at that level. Don't 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 do him that way. But wait, wait, wait. did you did you guys see the visit, which was the one just before his recent 
I did. Uh, yeah. And I, I, the Avatar. Uh, I the visit is good though. It's so good. The visit is good. Like I was actually caught up in it. Yeah. And normally I go to sleep in his movies, but um, yeah. I, I was in this one. But you bring up a good point, Sean. I didn't. I, I I'm fo- I'm so focused on Josh because again I'm a I'm a stand. I'm a stand mm-hmm. for him. But at the same time, it maybe this should have went to a woman. He could have like been like Christopher Nolan, like, oh, I'll be in the background in a sense of like helping maybe some help. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna let you kind of run it. You know, whoever the woman would be to do it. So I, I see that. I mean, I'm not saying that they need him, but because he has a track record, um, mm-hmm. I, I if he was asked to help out. I think that would be fine. I think he's going to make a good movie. Yeah. You know, it's he's just that like, good. we need to, we need to have like any opportunity that there is to, to get marginalized groups into the business and give them opportunities. Then we need to take them. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause like, I feel, I feel like people, you know, people that have been in it much longer than I have, have been saying this kind of stuff for decades. Yeah. And it's like, if not now, then when, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't, you can't just keep putting it off forever. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, not like specifically about Joss, but but kind of specifically about Joss because if you if you go out there and you're like, I am all for women, I am the biggest feminist in the entire world, then like you, you got to prove it at some point. Yeah. You know, right? And if you're not, then shut up. Like don't like don't say that shit anymore. Just like accept it. Just be like, I am, I'm a I'm a feminist except when it comes down to my checkbook. Right, or I'm a feminist, except when it comes down to being able to do the shit that I want to do, and whether that involves running over women sometimes, then I will do that. But all the other times, I'm a feminist. You know, like <laughs> it just—I <laughs> don't—I don't know. I just uh, hold people to very high standards at this point, which I think. I, well, it's either that, or I'm just fucking grumpy as hell, and I'm just looking to hate. <laughs> it's either one. I can't tell which one it is at this point because it all—it it all ends up kind of in the same thing. So yeah. yeah. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah at least stand up in your truth if you a piece of shit then just say hey I'm a piece of shit and you know fuck y'all I'm going about this money I think the rest of them do that so it does so maybe this is what they're doing because on that same kind of in the same comic world of note we're going to jump into Marvel now Marvel tore this weekend up and it, in the sense that they just Start talking and running a mouth to the point where there was no return. And I was at WonderCon this weekend, so basically that was on everybody's tongue was Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. Now, if you don't know everybody, Marvel... <laughs> so, it, it just happened that... It, it kind of happened earlier in love last week, but it happened where um, the vice president of sales, his name is David um, Gabriel... Um, was talking about, you know, sales of the comic and why certain comics were down. And he basically said, and I'm going to try to read his word for it. They asked him, like, why is Marvel kind of, you know, not holding it, you know, holding it, holding it up? He said, well, we've heard that people don't want to, don't want any more diversity. They didn't want female characters out there. That's what we heard. Whether that's what we believe it or not. I don't know that's, if that's really true, but that's what we saw in the sales. Um, we saw that sales of any character that was diverse, a character that was new, our female characters, anything that was not a core Marvel character, um, people were turning their nose up against. It was difficult because we had a lot of fresh, new, exciting ideas that we were trying to get out and nothing new really worked. 
Now, that was a lie because um, <laughs> um, some people, you know, you know how people get because they hear something, you know, they get, you know, they, they start becoming little investigators. So some people put on their Thelma glasses and they decided to um, find out the truth. So what we learned is, well, some of their, the, the second highest comic book in Marvel was the Mighty Thor, and that is basically the female Thor. Um, some along with a best top ten um, Marvel bestsellers is the Iron Man, starting Riri, um, and Black Panther, which has been written by Takashi. I never can say his name. If I ever meet him, he can just knock me down for that. Um, and that's in the top ten, and I also think that some of the other ones that are not so high, but they're getting a lot of buzz. It's like Moon Girl um, and some other pieces. So it's not really the diversity that's hurting them. And I know what's hurting them, but I didn't know how y'all felt about, or if you, what, what y'all thought about this whole story. So basically everybody just Nancy Drew that ass. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, you can go first. I'll... <laughs> I, well, first of all, like we're we gotta we gotta start like calling this out I think because you know uh, when like when you call a single person like if I were to call one of you mm-hmm. uh, an LGBT person mm-hmm. like that's inaccurate right because you you're gay mm-hmm. you're not lesbian bi or trans so it's kind of weird to like call people by these like these terms that are kind of like m- more about like the groups I guess. Um, and so I just, I, I don't know, it, it might be just me, but the term, like, the, the diverse comics aren't selling, like, that, that just sounds weird to me. Um, the colors, the colors aren't selling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I use the term marginalized people all the time, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've tweeted extensively on why I do that instead of saying, like, minorities or whatever, but, like, I guess everybody uses the term diversity, so maybe it's just me, but I, like, I tweeted, like, you know, you have a group of crow. A group of crows is called a murder. So you have a murder of crows. I guess like a group of marginalized people is called a diversity. So you have a diversity of <laughs> black people and women. I guess like I don't know. Uh, so I yeah. I mean obviously it's bullshit, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I I don't understand. I mean I do understand why someone would come out and say that, even though it's like not you got literal receipts. Not, like, receipts, receipts, but you have, like, literal, like, I went to the comic book store and bought this comic, mm-hmm. and they gave me a receipt, and mm-hmm. they tracked the sales. Like, you have literal receipts that, like, people are, are buying these, quote-unquote, diverse comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Kamala Khan series, I believe, yes. is another one um, that sells very well and is critically acclaimed. Um, and I love it, actually, personally. Like, I, I actually hardly read any comic books at this point, but I make sure to keep up on that one. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's bullshit, but I also know that, you know, anytime you see something like this where it can be easily disproven with facts, you know what audience they're trying to talk to, yeah. right? <laughs> it's the fact-free brigade, basically. It's the yeah. same people that Donald Trump is trying to talk to. Yeah. You know, like these people that, that accept these quote-unquote truths that have no actual facts to, to base them on. So I'm sure there's a lot of these comic book fans that, you know, you see them every day trolling, you know, our friends, Steph and Lauren on Twitter, you know, telling them like, we don't, we don't like these comics and, and 
you know, they're making shit up just to be PC and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's who this dude, I, I forgot his name already because it's not worth my time to remember uh, whoever said this bullshit quote. But, like, the, the people that he is talking to, it's not us. He's talking to the people mm-hmm. who, you know, already want to believe this stuff. And that's what upsets me about it is that if you're a young person that's into comics and you're just kind of getting in and you're reading stuff like Moon Girl or Riri or... Uh, Kamala Khan and you, you're seeing yourself reflected in it and you get into the community and embrace the medium and then you you see a quote from the company that makes these comics that you love and he's basically saying hey fuck you right like hey little girl right. who loves these comics fuck you nobody else likes them mm-hmm. and you're not you're not worth it so we're gonna stop making him mm-hmm. and like that's that's fucking it, it's so bullshit um and it's not new, but it's just it's just so funny how some parts of the world are really progressing and other parts of the world are just like holding it, like just holding on so tightly to all the same bullshit that they've always put out there. Yeah. Basically in the entire United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except for certain TV shows. Yeah. That's it. Like for some reason there are certain like that's that's pretty much it. Well, there, I should say there's a lot of young adult literature out there too that's like very kind of on the cutting edge as far as like, hey, we include marginalized people. It's not a big deal. Like we just do it because that's how the world is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean like movies and and certain Netflix shows and, and certain comic book companies <laughs> and you know <laughs> certain Matt Damon's yeah. uh, of the world, yeah. <laughs> and, including. Uh, Matt yeah but no it's really interesting because it's like yeah he's talking to i feel like the the, the old crowd of comics how it was yeah. way in the back he's not understanding that that has changed um we want to see people reflect us i was talking to um some people at one comics said that when i think about what i used when i was reading comics i was reading comics in the late 80s and 90s i mean all all i could talk about was storm because i was like that's one of the only black people that i that I knew, I knew there were others, but she was the one that I knew because I kept reading X-Men and I read Wonder Woman, so I knew about Nubia. But, you know, for a lot of us, we didn't know other ones because we don't see any. So when you do add them in there, it changes the game. I mean, goodness, I mean, did they forget that Black Panther sold out when they when, when they brought it back? It sold out. They had to do two yeah. or three prints. And that didn't happen with some of the other comics. So I'm like, how can you sit up and say that's not selling when... One is selling out. You have another one in the top ten. Then you have the, your second, your second highest book is is held by a female hero, heroine. So it's like how how can you say that? I think, and it's funny because he walked his words back. <laughs> of course, he did that. Um, and well, but that's the other thing they do, right? Like they come out and they say stuff like they they just say the most offensive shit possible and they back it up, and then so now you got like you know liberal white America. He's like, oh, he's, he's not such a bad guy. And then all the people he was talking to in the first place just ignored the apology because they're like, oh, he just needed to be PC. So now you get both. You have it both ways, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't, like, I'm, I'm so close to just being like, I don't give a fuck what anybody apologizes for. Like, you did it. <laughs> you did it. Like, <laughs> you said, you, it's, you didn't, it, this wasn't a hidden camera. Like, you said it to somebody who you knew was going to make it public. So, like, you fucking did it. Like, I'm not going to accept anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, so militant, you guys. No, that's that's. So... <laughs> <laughs> so 
So it's just, I'm tired of people. Period. Like, and that just yeah, end that sentence right yeah, I'm there. Tired of <laughs> <laughs> Basically, oh, gosh. So what else we got on the news? Um. So. Uh, that's the, I think that's pretty much it that we all had. Oh, well, the Pepsi ad. How could we forget the uh, Pepsi uh, ad? And yeah. Drag Race. And Drag Race. Um, the Pepsi ad, <laughs> basically they came and went. Um, so yesterday, which which was interesting. That was yep. fast. Yeah, it, uh, basically Pepsi put out an ad basically saying that, hey... Kendall Jenner, White Wonder, is going to stop oppression, bigotry, hatred, racism, with a smile, a snatch of a wig, and a Pepsi. That party said he has a wig. You know, Kendall, she just she just should have did an RC Cola ad and just be done with it, and nobody could would have noticed. But no, she went ahead. She basically the ad is her doing some kind of photo shoot, which she is passable at best. Um, I don't know how she gets all these bookings at Fashion Week, but you know that's a whole other topic. So she takes off all the uh, her wig and hands it to a black woman. Who was signing on her down? He's like, "What the fuck am I doing with this wig?" Oh my god, it's so, so amazing that like I'm sorry to interrupt, but like I just want to make this point that like it's so amazing how these people who are making these commercials, like like black women are invisible to them to the point where they let that be in the final product. Right. That like, side eye is not like it's not it's not like she's not trying to cover it up at all. It's so obvious. Like there's a person in your commercial who is looking at Kendall Jenner as if she's fucking satan you know and like it's right there for everybody to see but like you think about it the director the camera people the editors like they all in my opinion they all looked at that and like just did not see that facial expression because they don't see black women right she goes to this protest and which is basically a recreation of a protest which a black woman is standing there in a field of heavily armed cops in the uh, actual photo and this one black woman is standing there you know she doesn't have anything on her a you know the the picture I'm talking about yeah it's no. uh it's I just want to name her it's Aisha Evans right so Kendall Jenner she gives the officer a coke she hugs a black man. She hugs a, a Muslim woman. I Wait, hold can't. on. That's a South thing, right? That you call all the sodas Cokes? I call them pop. Pepsi, carbonated beverages, you know. <laughs> I think it no, is. No, no, no. It's I a brand. It, I just want to make sure because it's a brand. Right. Yeah. So she gives them this, the drink, and Pepsi. basically Pepsi. it's a party. We can say, we can right. say Pepsi. She gives them this Pepsi. Name and, and Right. <laughs> Sorry. And now it's a party. And I'm like, okay, if it wasn't, so you mean to tell me that if Sandra Bland, if Eric Gardner, if all these black people would have gotten, gave him a, a Pepsi, then they wouldn't have been murdered? Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's all you got to say? Yeah. It's like, are, you, are they that tone deaf? 
Yes. Apparently. <laughs> Fucking apparently. Well, yeah, and Twitter really took, I mean, not just Twitter, but everywhere else. I mean, a lot of us got into it and posted our own things, but I think it was less than 24 hours. Pepsi snatched that ad quick, <laughs> and they put out this ugly apology, which I didn't like it because I felt like I was apologizing more to Kenner than it was to anyone else. But Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing is, like, I think that it happened so fast because, you know, Car- uh, uh, what's her mom, the mom Kardashian, like, she's very, very protective <laughs> of all of, the, their images right yeah. like I am I am 99.99% sure that like the whole reason that apology even happened was because of her mm-hmm. it wasn't because they actually saw what the issue was or, or, or anything it was really just okay you gotta distance my daughter from this fucking bullshit now that everybody hates it yeah yeah I can see that happening with that yeah <sighs> that but, charlatan of a woman cause I kinda I don't like a part of me does not fault uh, whatever her name is, Kendall Candy. No, I don't really, I don't really um, fault Cotton Candy because I feel like she <laughs> probably didn't realize what she was doing. You know what I'm saying? Like she probably like, oh, it's gonna be great, and I'm gonna, my friends think it's cool, and I got a bracelet for it. Like I feel like that she's looking at it in that way. But I think, but you know, maybe this is good because now she knows. Like no, no, girl, you can't do this like ever again. I don't care how many. I think she knew because her and that that. <laughs> horrible ass family they've made a living accessorizing black culture doing all the most and so yeah and I, I'm gonna call her a bitch because she knew better and she did it anyway and like I said that whole fucking family is rotten to the core somebody need to go get Kanye out of the sunken place because <laughs> he is long gone and is about to be lobotomized or you know whatever useless brain that he had had i'm just oh. I'm, I'm done with that family i don't ever want to see them talk to them hear about them whatever they can just be shipped off to an island and <laughs> not ever talked about treat them like voldemort well, well i guess we will but <laughs> but no i yeah. mean, i feel like after what after what just went down i feel like now now and, but, you know, I, I think this all the time. I think, oh, this happened, so they won't do this again, and then we see it again. But I feel like... Oh, they'll do it again. Yeah, but I feel, like, I feel like... Because like the, the thing is, they're they're apologizing for the people getting mad at them. Like, Pepsi didn't come out and say, like, we understand that blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, a real apology is supposed to be you, you tell the person that you know what you did wrong, uh, mm-hmm. you acknowledge that you did it, and then you tell them how you're going <coughs> to avoid doing that in the future. And, you know, corporate apologies never follow that. They, they always say, you know, well, they always get the whole thing wrong. They never explain why, you know, that they realize why they're wrong. They always try to blame the other party for getting upset. And then they don't say anything about the future. Like, they, they, they'll they say really, uh, really generic things like, you know, we, we understand that this is an issue and it won't happen again. But, like, a phrase like it won't happen again coming from, like, a corporation is, like, it doesn't make any sense because like there might be a new CEO next week. You know what I mean? So like you can't, it's not a promise that you can actually keep. So yeah, I mean, they're going to do it again. Pepsi's going to do it again. Kendall's going to do it again. And I think it's because like Pepsi's not going to go under right because of this. And Kendall's not going to stop being popular because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because we have Stan culture. <laughs> like it really kind of doesn't matter what you do. Um, you're still going to survive. So 
until literally kill somebody and still have yeah. a fan base. Yep. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking about the same family, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Within that same family. Yeah. So uh-huh. you know, um, I don't know. Again, I'm just I'm the pissed off militant guy uh, here, but like <laughs> I don't I don't trust any of them to do anything correctly. Um, they're gonna keep making mistakes. We're gonna keep dragging them and. Like, I never, you know, I'm, I, we're not going to change Pepsi. Like I said, we're not going to change Kendall. We're not going to whatever. Like, all I'm hoping is that people who are coming up now, you know, people who are going to start the next Pepsi or people who are going to, to be the next, you know, big model or whatever are watching this and, and maybe they're seeing more of what we're seeing, you know, and maybe right. they'll be one degree less shitty as Kendall Jenner. Yeah. Or right. one degree less shitty as Pepsi, and then, you know, and maybe it'll take sixteen generations or whatever oh, for, God. <laughs> for for what we're talking about to kind of like hit the mainstream. But like, you know, it's it's a long game, and I will drag people uh, for the sake of that game. Mm-hmm. But I also don't expect them to, you know, get not uh, harmful <laughs> tomorrow. But I tell you this, Kendall was never gonna be uh, like Naomi Campbell, not on her best day. Mm-hmm. Nope, she will not. She will not. But um, humble your, yourself and get in line, Heffa. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just again, this was just. I love the fact that this was taken care of within less than twenty four hours, um, and it shows you the power of social media but it shows you the power of us you know like it shows like when we really come together on things like this we make an impact so i i hope be paying this aside we will always come together to kind of you know attack these things and i I think that's the power of it all because they see that now and we'll get into our we'll get on our king size the power of us makes we make changes and we should be proud of that. And I think that the companies need to take heed on the fact that social media is the truth teller. We are the mirror. We are the mirror, mirror on the wall. We like, you ask us a question and we will tell you. <laughs> like, this is what we are. So, yeah. But you know what? John got- Crawford wouldn't have let this happen. <laughs> John Crawford would have had them boys. Oh, that's right. Because she was, she was running. She was cussed out. Running Pepsi. <laughs> Um, so now, speaking of Joan Crawford, let's get into Drag Race. <laughs> so. She is a little draggy. Yeah. Well, was a little draggy. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so Drag Race started uh, last Friday. Well, the second episode. And they brought back Cynthia Lee Fontaine. Now, <laughs> Cynthia was from... Uh, <laughs> I'll write these names, though. Cynthia was from season eight, and... After she got kicked off, she got diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh, boy, and I think it was either stage one or stage two, and she didn't know if she was going to make it. So she finally, she made it. Her cancer's in remission, and so she's back on the show. So they did a, a cheerleader, like, bring it on type kind of challenge. And it was cute, you know. Uh, they randomly had uh, Lisa Kudrow. She was basically running around on the lot, and RuPaul just grabbed her off and said, you want do this for like five minutes and I'll pay you and go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the main stage event was uh, a white, a white going to a white party. And so my best top three.
three uh, dressers was Alexis Michelle, uh, Valentina. She wore a, a, a wedding gown, and it was inspired by her mom and dad's wedding video, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, and Shea Coulee. And <laughs> Valentina ended up winning the, the overall challenge. And she's only been doing drag, I think, maybe 10 months. And she's very polished. But well, they were mad at her uh, for wearing a dress because they felt like that wasn't a white party. They didn't represent a white party. Yeah, I'm like, well, they just said, to me, it didn't necessarily have to mean that you were going to Key West. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to like a white party in Aspen or some kind of party that is only about white parties. You know, And then when it goes to Valentina's gown, I mean, there is a, a wedding as some a sort of celebration and a party. So... Why wouldn't you wear a wedding gown? But anyway, uh, in the bottom two were James Mansfield and Kamora uh, Black. And they uh, lip-synced to B-52's Love Shack, and James was at home. And I honestly think James was way in over her head. She didn't look polished. She just looked like she was thinking about it too much. She just looked oh, completely overwhelmed. And when you are on season nine, of drag race you need to come in knowing your drag aesthetic and who you are as a performer and i didn't think she really knew that um i see a lot of these young kids like going to town on a lot of these drag queens as if they know the end-all be-all about drag and i just need them to just humble yourselves. Bitch, just because you watch Drag Race doesn't mean that you are now the keeper of all that is drag. You know, drag is not just pageants. Drag is just not androgyny or genderfuck. It's so many different things, and you can't be knowledgeable on all of the facets. You know, what I think of drag might not be what somebody else thinks of drag. And in the same instance, I can't say, oh, drag is only, you have to have hip pads, you have to have boobs, you have to have a whole shit load of makeup, and you have to have a hair stacked to Jesus. You know, that's, I think, about what Sharon Needles brought to the stage and what Acid Betty, something that's different that can also be feminine. So I, I, I think a lot of these young kids that are, delving into drag need to really stop and take a look in the mirror because you don't have it all together a lot of these queens that have been doing it 10 15 years still don't have it together <laughs> and that's my little my little rant i mean i could go Hey, this is Steph Rywell. Join me bi-weekly at The Lemonade for all things nerdy and geeky, giving you all the sweet and sour notes from the nerd world, as well as my own special commentary to make this blend lemonade just right. Follow The Lemonade at Audio Boom SoundCloud, High Bean at the Points of Interest Network, and I'll see you guys soon. Right. 
So um, we took a quick break, but now we're going to come back and really get into um, more in-depth conversations when it comes to, you know, just everything that's been going on. And recently what just went down was Ghost in the Shell. This movie came out this weekend and basically vanished because it didn't, it barely it went made, down indeed. It barely made like, what, 19 uh, million? Um, Something like yep. that didn't really do that much. It cost over a hundred million to make. Um, it looked pretty, but it just didn't, it didn't hit with any of the, with the viewers at all or anybody who wanted to go and see it. Um, and now we see that the, that now people are realizing that, oh, we, we kind of made a mistake. You know, maybe it was the whitewashing that helped that messed <laughs> us up. But I guess what I, I kind of want to get into in the sense of what we want to kind of get into is just this whole why does it again kind of get into why it keep happening but why after you know I feel like we people were talking about this over for about a year or so why did they not think that this was going to have this effect yeah well uh, you know um, these are things that I pay very close attention to and we've had this very recent history starting in, I guess, November, so fairly recent, um, with Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. with Tilda Swinton being cast as the Ancient One, who was in the original comic books. They, uh, that character was a... Uh, they, people kept saying Tibetan monk, but I'm not sure if they knew what his ethnicity was or if they were just saying Tibetan because Doctor Strange trained in tibet uh or not even tibet like it was uh, i forget what the name of that uh mystical land that he trained in was but it, it you know according to the comics it, it was basically in the area where tibet is um and at, the, at that time it was like well you know that that kind of thing is flexible you can change that from the comics and then so the next thing we had was iron fist and they're like no he's got to be white you got to stay it's a canon so, you know, their arguments are inconsistent anyway. Oh, we had the Great Wall as well. Matt Damon playing the White Savior in ancient China uh, in between that. So I think, like, Ghost in the Shell, here's where I would kind of agree with the critics, where they're like, well, you know, all this online outrage is kind of, you know, was kind of, kind of took down Ghost in the Shell before it even had a chance. And the part of that I would agree with, because I disagree with most, most of that, but the part that I would agree with is that we have had these instances recently where people are making their voices heard about what the issues are with this. And when Dr. Strange came out, I actually wrote a piece for uh, the website Nerds of Color uh, where I I looked at the advanced reviews of Dr. Strange and kind of looked at, like, the way that white people were handling uh, the Ancient One issue. And some of them were just, like, they were were racist. (laughs) Like... They were, they were saying shit like, you know, uh, well, all these people were complaining, but Tilda Swinton was great, so that's fine. And it's like, <laughs> since when doesn't, does an actress doing her job well make up for racial antagonism? Like, tell me how that right. is liberal at all, right? So, you know, um, but then we fast forward to Ghost in the Shell, and like a lot of the reviews really actually did say, you know, this was whitewashing and here's why, and here's kind of the problem with that, and oh, here's some Asian people actually talking about why it's a problem. That's not to say that there weren't other pieces being, you know, as ignorant as possible. 
saying like, well, you know, she's an android, so it doesn't matter what her race is. Or we talked to people in Japan, and people in Japan were fine. And, you know, that's always a bullshit answer because Japan is a homogenous culture of all Japanese people. And so they don't, like, they don't have these issues of marginalization within their, their own country at the, the same way that Asian Americans do. And plus, actually, by the way, I am, you know, I'm Japanese and Chinese. And if you look at me and you say, hey, this guy's probably going to have the same opinion as someone who lives in a whole different fucking country, like, fuck you, that's racist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right off the bat. I'm not asking, like, either of you, like, about politics in Africa, right? Like, <laughs> and, like right. I feel like we're, we're at a point in American society where, like, I mean, you know, honestly, has, has, have you guys had an experience where a white person has come up to you and been like, well, you know, I hear that you, you people uh, have these issues, but did you know that, that, uh, these, uh, that, that people in Africa are fine with that? Um, like, I feel like most, like, quote-unquote liberal white people, like, understand that that would be, like, extremely offensive, you know? Um, but for some reason with Asian Americans, it's a little different. Like, they still kind of see me as, like, <laughs> the same thing as being, you know, someone from Japan or someone from China. And it's just very, very odd. And so you get, like, that kind of ignorance in the reviews, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But... So the part that I disagree with about how this whole, like, oh, the online outrage didn't give this movie a chance, um, like, the movie didn't get, give itself a chance, right? Like, right. they really think, like, based on past history, that you can take these properties that have, like, a cultural tie in the plot, you know, that have something to say that actually do, like, you do need to take race and identity into account, um, but you make these movies where the the race and the identity and the culture is all kind of sucked out of it. And all of a sudden it's not the same plot. It's not the same, you know, uh, story that people loved about the original. And they put that movie out and they're like, I don't see a problem with that. And it's like, why not though? Right? Like if you take away the thing that, that made the original so popular, if you take away some of these aspects, uh, of course it's going to be not as good, or of course it's going to be boring. Um, and that's really, I think, what people have said about this movie is that it's not, like, the worst thing in the world, but it's pretty boring. And, like, the plot doesn't have anything new to say. And, you know, Ghost in the Shell is really, it's really seen it as a pretty groundbreaking look at artificial intelligence and thinking about whether or not, you know, what the differences are between us and just lines of code, right? If your brain, if code, if code is so advanced that... Uh, you know, it's like the Matrix. If the code is so advanced that it basically is life, mm -hmm. then what would be the difference between us and code? Right. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to spoil the original Ghost in the Shell too much, um, but I will say that towards the end of the movie, in some of the final scenes, you have uh, Motoko Kusanagi, who is the character that Scarlett Johansson plays in the, in the uh, 2017 movie, you have that character in the original anime uh, talking to what is very specifically an American white android. And there are, like, that, it's important. It's important that Motoko is a Japanese cyborg and that she's talking to an American cyborg. They talk specifically about things where you need those cultures to be interacting. And, again, because 
you had a white person playing the lead in this live action version, you lose that entire plot line, and they decided to do something completely different, which ended up, um, are we spoiling the the, the movie? Because nobody should see it. I feel like it's a public yeah. service. I feel like nobody's seen it yeah. anyway. <laughs> save, you, save your coins. Yeah. I mean, basically, like, what the movie comes down to is Scarlett Johansson's character finds out that she used to be a Japanese girl named Matoko Kusanagi, and she has, a diff- she has, like, a white name throughout the movie. But she goes in search of, like, where did my brain come from? I know I'm a cyborg, but I, I don't know where my, you know, like, my actual origin. And it turns out that, like, a Japanese girl was killed, and they put her brain in, in what they saw as, like, the, the pinnacle of cyborg technology. And it just so happens, of course, that when you build a pinnacle of cyborg technology, when you're trying to build the perfect woman, she fucking looks like a white woman like Scarlett Johansson. And if you want to talk to me or if you want to talk to either of you two guys, like if you want to talk to many of the people that we talk to, we're not going to say, you know, if someone hands us a piece of paper and says, hey, draw the perfect woman, we're not going to draw a fucking Scarlett Johansson. Like, I'm not going to. Especially not in that wig. <laughs> I think you know you, <coughs> there there are a hundred women on that list like above that. And the thing is like I don't want to I don't want to kind of make the statement that like what you consider a perfect woman is is based on what she looks like anyway. But like this is what studio executives and writers and directors think of when they're like, well, you know, what's the quote unquote like perfect like default woman? Like, regardless of race, regard, you know, colorblind, let's be colorblind and think of what the perfect woman would look like. And, of course, colorblindness always means white, right? Right. White is a fucking color, but they don't want to acknowledge that. Uh, so they, the idea that you would, like, save a Japanese woman's brain and put it into a white body, which is considered an upgrade, is, like, very, very, very racist, <laughs> like I don't know how else to say it. It is like extremely fucking racist. Yeah. Um, and so that should make people uncomfortable. And once that twist started getting out there, somebody who saw in advance, uh, like a pre-screener, like they got on Twitter and they were like, "Yo, here's what this movie is. Like, here's what happens in the plot." And I think rightfully so. People were like, "Whoa, that's fucked up." And I do think that that led to some people skipping it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you like what percentage I think or like what kinds of numbers, uh, what kinds of dollar amounts they lost specifically because of that. But man, when that came out, it's, you realize like it's more offensive than you even thought it was. And that's pretty hard because we've seen a lot of offensive stuff recently. So we already like we have pretty good imaginations as to how bad it could be. And you even made it worse than that. Like, yeah. At that point, it becomes like, I can't see this movie in good conscience, you know? Um, right. And, and I think a lot of people, even outside of the Asian American community, felt that way. I know especially, like, black Twitter is, like, you know, very much on that angle with us. Um, but it took white people a long time, right? They had to see Doctor Strange uh, get the pushback. They had to see The Great Wall fail. They had to see Iron Fist fail. Um, we have like the hilarious like you know stories Netflix is and Netflix isn't behind the stories but there are all these companies trying to say no Iron Fist actually did well and it's like no no I don't I don't think so uh, then prove it show yeah, us the receipts Dan exactly I, I want to say like you know Netflix very rare they, they, they never put out their numbers but sometimes they'll, they'll say like you know this show did better than this other show or whatever yeah. 
I, I want to say that, that Netflix actually did say that Luke Cage was very successful, and then this time around, it's crickets. Netflix is not saying anything. It's all these third-party data tracker yeah. you know, companies, and they none of those companies actually know. Like They just guess based on other stuff. The like, rumor, the rumor is they are, they will talk about it. Um, Comic Con, they will mention it because they will be in the midst of getting ready for the Defenders. Right. So they gonna. The rumor is they will be mentioning that. Reason why I'm hearing that because I have former students who who work <laughs> over there. This is the lovely part of living in California. Um, and they yeah. said, well, they said they may bring it up at Comic Con. I was like, oh, okay. Because they want yeah. to use that as a way to promote the defenders. Good. I mean, I hope. I hope what they're going to come out and say is, "Yeah, we understand this was a mess, and we understand we got to get <laughs> your trust back for the defenders." Mm-hmm. And here's, you know, here's what we're going to do. I mean, I doubt it. Kind of like I was saying earlier, I'm pessimistic about everything because they, white people can fuck up. You know, they fail upwards, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing we always see. Uh, right. They they fail upwards. So. Yeah. Uh, all they got to do, because very few people in the mainstream have our back as Asian Americans, all they have to do is come out and say, like, look, this was, the, it wasn't as bad as everyone says. It's just these, you know, these complainers, these professional protesters making this outrage more than, you know, it needed to be. And that's why it didn't do so well. And most of America is going to believe them because most of America doesn't know any Asian people who actually give a shit about this stuff and, like, think about it deeply. And kind of understand like how how much white supremacy hurts us as Asian Americans. You yeah. know, um, there's a lot of Asian Americans that really feel like we are white, like not white white, but like close enough to white that yeah. we that we should stay silent on stuff. Yeah, and that's so, that's kind of that, the, plays in. that plays in that whole model minority. Yep, absolutely, uh-huh. absolutely. You know, you have things like um, I was just talking about this yesterday. Uh, where, you know, Los Angeles, like, we had the Rodney King riots, right, in 1992, and before that we had, oh, and I forgot to, I forgot to remind myself of her name, but is it Latantra Harlins? It's it's something similar to that. She was shot by, she was a black teenage girl who got shot by a Korean shop owner, and when you start, you know, that predated the the riots, but it was kind of part of the conditions that led up to it. Um, When you have, when you think about it, like, why are all these Korean-owned shops in mm-hmm. black neighborhoods? And, I mean, the reason is because the properties are owned by white banks. And, you know, if black people went in to get loans to try to start stores and stuff in their own communities, white people were like, nah, we, we, we really we don't feel comfortable enough with you to, like, grant you access to this power structure. But then you have, you know, Asian Americans uh, going in and they they're more we are more accepted by white people. So, you know, we got the business loans and then we started, we basically, you know, we're sucking income out of these black neighborhoods. Um, and this is in California and this is, you know, barely 30 years ago. Uh, so yeah, model minority is a thing. It's real. And the, so it gets very difficult for Asian Americans to, to want to like speak out not only on behalf of their own community, but on behalf of, you know, other marginalized groups that have issues. Mm-hmm. Like we just saw, um, uh, shit. The, so the, all of this Trump stuff with like the Muslim ban and all that kind of stuff and immigration, like we just saw a major Chinese, uh, political activism group come out and say, yeah, we support 
deporting people. We support all these immigration laws. And you're looking at him going, like, do you think you're white? Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Right. Um, and really what it is is, yeah, to a certain degree, they do think they're white. And, um, yeah, model minority. I'm sorry. Like, I could mm-hmm. I could talk about Ghost in the Shell, model minority, mm-hmm. Vincent Chan. I could talk about all that stuff for 10 hours. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's all related, though. It's, yeah, it's it is. Related. It's related and, you know, tied together because it's just this white oppression that affects not just uh, the LGBT community, the queer, the black community, the Asian community, the Latin community, mm-hmm. you know, the disabled community, the elderly community. It's just so, it's almost suffocating that all it affects every facet of your life. And sometimes you feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's how they want you to feel, right? Yeah. Because, exactly. it, because when you think about it, I mean, the fact that it's the same situation when it comes to these movies and films or just everything in general when it comes to our culture, geek culture, whatever, it's still these people making these decisions to do these things. And it is painful because it's like you're constantly seeing your heritage, your your community, your culture erased in, in order to put a white person in that place. Um, right. And so when you see that, it's just like, okay, because, you know, like there's news today about CBS basically whitewashing two shows they have coming oh, out um, yeah. to where they characters that were written as African-American or Latina would turn into white. And so it's it's very painful, but it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like they're learning from this. But I, I, like, I'm glad that Paramount came out to say that, yes, we think whitewashing was the reason why this movie failed. But how many more of these corporations, or I call them corporations because I think that's what they are, these studios are going to basically wake up and be like, we have too many white males doing this, and this is what we get. Isn't it time for us to, you know, shut it down, burn it up, and start over to where we have more diverse people in this role? Because I think yeah. as long as we don't do that, we're going to have, like, we just hear today, I, I, I saw it on Twitter, where, um, what's his name who does all the Transformer movies, wants to do 14 more of them. And I'm like, 14? He wants to do 14 more one, of these movies. One, four. Yes. He and then they they want to be four or eight more alien movies by Ridley Scott and I'm like, I don't know if this is in their mindset they think this is success but I feel like these companies need to think about okay, I'm glad you have that dream but we need to bring in new people to where they can maybe make up a new franchise or something new that we're not thinking yeah. of. Yeah, well, who just what just broke a record like at the same time that Ghost in the Shell was tanking, Jordan Peele broke. Fucking yeah. records, right? So he's made right. over 150 yes. million dollars with Get Out, and that is the as highest amount made uh, by any of any race um, uh, for a directorial debut with an original screenplay. And, the, and you said the magic word. The magic word is original screenplay. Right yep. now, we see yep. nothing but these people trying to rehash all these brands over and over again. What you call is trying to bring back more avatars. We already know the secret avatar. That's Pocahontas. We don't need to see Bitch, another. They're about to do a, another remake of the Blob, and I'm just like, how are you gonna do a remake of a remake? Another. Like, this is the third one. God, it's so, just like all these people are trying to somehow latch on or keep hold of their childhood or something. That but it's, I understand. But, but, I completely understand. Like memories and whatnot and wanting to hold on to those memories but god damn this is crazy yeah it's memories just like, and whatnot yeah. right i'm gonna make a cover band named memories and whatnot hey, we're, gonna, we're gonna play all the hits from the 80s yeah 
But I think that's what it is. I think they keep thinking, these same execs keep thinking, well, this made money back then or whatever. I'm like, there is so many other stories. And mentioning Get Out, the fact that Get Out is a... Is not a super complex story. I mean, Jordan has even yeah. said that he was inspired by um, Stepford Wise. When, when I saw the movie, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, you're right. I yeah. felt like this is the this is what we're talking about. We can get new people in here to bring up something else to start up with. You think about the 80s. I made a joke on Twitter about the fact that the 80s are back because with original screenplays, I feel like 80s were the best because we got the most original type of movies that we don't even see anymore. Um, yeah. Think about a troll never ending story <laughs> all the horror stuff like we just got original stuff trash or not it was still original we now we well, here's have, the thing like oh sorry i'm sorry no, no no i'm just saying that we i would love to get back to that but i think in yeah. order to get back to that we're gonna have to open the door to have more diverse people at the table to where they are you know, saying hey let's try this let's do this from this perspective let's bring in some people who normally not sitting here with us to help us you know create a new thing Bloomhouse is yeah. doing a good job of doing that Jason mm-hmm. Bloom is smart of bringing in different people, working with him because you know, and I I want, I want to work for him too. I know Effie Brown has talked about him like she wants to work with him or be like him in the sense of bringing something new to the table. Although I want to say, uh, I could be wrong. I should look this up before slandering anybody, but I want to <laughs> say he's one of the guys involved in the Mulan remake that has only white writers. Oh, I could be wrong. Could Jason, be wrong. don't hurt my feelings. Uh, you know, Here, is somebody looking that up right now? I am looking that up right now because <laughs> if that's the case, I'm like, I can't work for you now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think you, while you look that up, I'll just kind of say, like, the 80s, the interesting thing about the 80s to me, like, part of the reason why you had all these original stories is because you had these people, and they were mostly white men. Um, you know, we'll just be upfront about that. But what they had was they were taking what was going on in the current context of history and making these stories out of them, right? Like, you look at a movie like E.T. Um, and about how how that movie kind of ties in with so many different things about the 80s. Like, the 80s is when you saw this kind of, like, you know, we need to be scared of, of kidnapping. People start locking their doors and, and that kind of thing. And, and so you're dealing with, like, this alien, not a scary alien, but you're kind of dealing with, like, children being the center of the story and, like, you know, having these issues and then also... Uh, government intervention and, and Russia, Cold War, all this stuff and so many movies kind of came out of that. Even something like Lethal Weapon even though that is, it doesn't really have like an international aspect to it, what it really is is you're looking at these people who they are, they're these white guys, uh, well and then you have Danny Glover who's amazing in that franchise, like you have these people who are like empowered to make these decisions to protect like the people around them right and that's something that you need in in an era like the cold war where everybody feels like they could just be nuked off the face of the earth at any you know given time so um i think that right now we're in as interesting a cultural context if not more interesting than we were back in the 80s and when you think about it something like get out couldn't really have happened until the exact era that we're in, right? Like, it was being made mm-hmm. when Obama was still in office, but, yeah. you know, you, it was his second term, so you knew he wasn't going to be there much longer, and then it comes out, you know, after we have this fucking white supremacist hack as, as a president, and it really taps into, like, I think Get Out did, it did and continues to do so well because it taps into a specific fear that we have, you know, right now in the current cultural context, and 
things like Transformers, like the, the movies that are already out, uh, the, the Michael Bay movies that, that are already out uh, from the fucking reboot or whatever they want to call it, like <laughs> that stuff uses the same kind of cultural context as the 80s had. Mm. And surprise, surprise, there are kids who weren't even born during the 80s that are watching those movies being like, oh, I see a lot of robots and shit. But like, it's not going to grab anybody because it's it's so lacking in context. Uh, so I totally agree. Like movies like Get Out, I think really, yes, having voices in the room that are not just like straight white men uh, is really, really important. We also got to think like, we are so scared of our culture right now. White people don't want to talk about race. Like it's a big issue. White people don't want to talk about this and that. Like, you know, we, as a country, we used to be able to talk about stuff. And this is really because marginalized people didn't have as much of a voice. Marginalized people didn't have social media to talk about stuff. So people felt more free to talk about, you know, these kinds of issues, but white fragility is real. And so what's happening in my opinion is that, anything that you could use that's really interesting to make a movie like racial antagonism, like get out did those ideas are like, they're being shut off at a very high level, unless there's someone like Jordan Peele, who, you know, is coming off of a very successful TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I got everything in there. (laughs) I, I just think that, these companies, these execs, they're not going to really <coughs> pay attention until we hurt them where it hurts, and that's their wallets. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for what I say, financial warfare, taking my money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, until they see those deep cuts, then they won't get it. Mm-hmm. They just won't get it. Yep. And it's going to take not just, you know, one certain community or the other it's going to take a whole group effort to see like this shit that you're doing is outdated it's wrong and it's racist and okay. until you do right by us we're going to take our money elsewhere yeah it's very totally. true and, I, and as i said before this is um we are now the mirror we are now the the eight ball you know you shake it up and we're going to tell you the future the truth the now the honest you know Thoughts. I feel like that they need to pay attention to us because we can save a lot of, or just hire, hire people of color in your companies, to where they can yeah. help you make these decisions. There's too many creative people. Like it makes me mad when I think about who's making the movies and they're like, oh, what, what's your, you know, what's your background? Oh, I did a YouTube movie, but now you're making a big film. <laughs> I feel like that that stuff needs to change, and in order for that to happen. We're going to have to keep speaking out and doing it until they realize, like, oh, we need to hire, you know, Victor. <laughs> There's somebody to come in to, like, help us figure this stuff out. And I think until then, we're going to all, we're going to have to hold their feet to the fire. We're going to have yeah. to. Well, this is a big action-packed show today. Sean, thank you for coming on here and dropping knowledge for everybody. Thank you, thank you dropping knowledge like you always do and as always you guys um listen to megashine on itunes soundcloud stitcher you can follow us on twitter at megashine pod and megashine or our personal accounts i'm at porter pizzazz and victor is at wonder man five follow sean at no totally listen to his podcast no totally Uh, also his patreon 
give up some coins, donate. Anything yes. else, Sean? No, that that is it. Um, yeah, follow. Uh, I don't know. You don't have to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there on Twitter, but uh, I, I just feel like I'm always fighting with someone. Like just in the past, what four days or five days, I fought with a John Mayer stand. Uh, who, <laughs> Wait, hold, what? No, hold on. Yeah. John Mayer stands. has stands. Yeah, yeah you yeah, never yeah, know yeah, until yeah. you go he, off on he someone. He has stands. He has uh, seriously he has stands. But Cosmopolitan was I think it was Cosmo. They thought that I had a fight with John Mayer himself. So they they wrote a whole ass online piece about oh my God. Twitter activist Sean Lau fighting with John Mayer oh on Twitter. Oh God! And they corrected it. I gotta like, find oh, it now. Like a week later, they corrected oh. it. Um, I'll see if I can always, find like an archives archive. They always version. talk about how much you gotta please your man in bed. You know what? That, <laughs> that magazine needs to be dead. Honestly. <laughs> Go to hell on. Take an issue from uh, Teen Vogue and write (laughs) something relevant. (laughs) Yeah, it was so fun. And then, and then, uh, just a few days ago, I got I got in a fight with a burger restaurant, a burger place. Yeah, you did. I saw it. Because they had a, they they dropped menus all over my neighborhood in Koreatown in Los Angeles, and one of the burgers is called a Yellow Fever. Yeah, I saw that. Wow, fucking offensive as shit. Like. You know, and it, it's about it's about Asian women being objectified, you know, and it's very harmful. And women, Asian American women, you know, they they added on when I started calling out that place, you know, talking about how their experiences with uh, sexism and you know, even in some cases, assault, they felt like it had to do with that kind of objectification under that name, and so it's it's harmful and triggering to them to, you know, you just want to go out and get a burger, and then you fucking see shit like that on the menu. And I guess the owner was like a Korean woman or something like that. And she was like, well, I don't really care. <laughs> and then so she started getting dragged. Uh, but, wow. you know, it's always fun when in the same week you get in a fight with imaginary John Mayer and a literal restaurant. Uh, <laughs> and then there's, you know, too, too many other people to count that I'm currently in fights with. Oh, Chris Hardwick. Holy shit. That's right. That's right. Nope. Of the Wait a whole... minute. Hold on. I... Before no, we go, but... we gotta listen to this. <laughs> okay, so he didn't respond, but his show, which is called At Midnight, right, mm-hmm. which is a hashtag game show, mm-hmm. uh, their theme uh, a few days ago was Japan a movie. Oh, so take yeah. Movie, yeah. Take oh, movie titles. Yeah, and like, you know, people are making internment camp jokes and like nuclear bomb jokes and stuff, and uh, I didn't appreciate it. And there's a lot of racism, and there was a lot of like, putting Chinese references into the movie names because fucking white people can't tell between China and Japan. Um, and so it made me pretty upset uh, because it was like full on. So all these, all these liberal white people just like, you know, Hey, I hate Donald Trump so much, but let me stop for a second and make this joke about internment camps, you know, like the fuck, yeah. you know? So anyway, so, <laughs> so I quote, I, I called out a bunch of people who are using the hashtag. And some of them responded, and one of them responded in a pretty racist way, and kind of kept like harping on me or whatever. And uh, like I said, nobody from the show officially responded, but uh, a journalist from the LA Times picked it up and retweeted, and and one of the panelists on the show uh, apologized. But you know, she's a woman, and she's sensitive to those kinds of things, and she apologized, but like nobody else even mentioned it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's. It's just it was it was trending number one 
uh, on Twitter at that point. And so to me, I'm kind of like, there's a lot of moving pieces here and a lot of people complicit in celebrating racism against people who look like me. And I don't know whether or not I can connect that to the fact that people feel more emboldened to physically attack people who look like me in Los Angeles, <coughs> where the show is filmed, you know, and where all the people involved live. Um, you know, you got to think that like that kind of dehumanization has some kind of effect. And so it, uh, it made me very angry and I, I let people know. And, uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for Chris Hardwick to get back to me and apologize. Uh, I don't think he will. It was just announced, I think yesterday that he has yet another TV show. So he has like five shows. Um, so he has Chris Hardwick alone has more shows than feature Asian Americans. Hmm. You know, he is just. <laughs> I need a drink. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, it got written up by a website. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Pajiba? P A J I. I know you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It got so that whole saga got written up, and there's some receipts because the white woman who came after me, who she, we were going back and forth, and then she stopped, and I was like, all right, finally. And then I see this tweet from her that says that just says apologies with my tag. But she had changed her avatar to a picture of a Chinese takeout box in order to send that message. So trash. Oh fuck her that fuck that bitch. Right? No. So she go, yeah. go learn how to salt your food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so she deleted all that mess, but I you know, I have receipts. I'm not I wasn't Twitter born yesterday, so uh, that piece on that website has that stuff. Um but yeah, it's, so it's been an interesting few days. Follow me on Twitter, I guess, but if you're going to bring mess into my timeline, uh, that's fine. I, I have enough of it already. I'm fully stocked up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'll bring, bring the booze and the cookies. Shit. Let's, like, I just want to be not conscious for the next few weeks. <laughs> you just get a break from all this. Listen, and I gotta tell you, like, I'm not gonna, like, divulge where I live, but, like, literally when I walk out of the front door of my apartment, there's a whole-ass building that's painted with Scarlett Johansson's face for Ghost in the Shell. Oh, it's Lord. it's the first thing I see every morning. A whole-ass building. It's, like, a 25-story building or whatever the fuck, right? Like, Yeah. Ugh. You know, so, I had people that knew how to do demolition. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, the world is it, it's it's the world is like funnily antagonistic towards me right now. Uh, but you know, that's how it is, right? If you're a marginalized person, that's just how it is. You got to roll with it. And then a lot of Black Twitter, including both of you, are supporting me right now because uh, I'm out there getting trolled by literally everybody. Uh, you know, and then like in a month or whatever, I'll, I'll be fine, and some shit will be going down with antagonism towards the queer community uh, or the black community or the black queer community and and i'll be there for you guys you know that's just that's just how it is it's just right exactly shit rolls in waves and we gotta have each other's back so i appreciate both of you so much and we appreciate you we appreciate you too thanks all right and on that note i have to get ready for a drag show that i have to be at so are you just dancing or are you are you, are you dressing I'm doing neither. It's a charity drag show. Yeah. So I'm just there to count the money. Oh, okay. That's good then. And I'm stuck on the west side of Los Angeles at work. So, um, <laughs> everybody, 
Y'all have a good night, um, and we will see y'all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.